Greetings and welcome to another different church podcast. My name is Jarrett and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 11.47 p.m. on Sunday night and it is bittersweet. We uh, just got done watching the Bucks lose today, which is a real bummer because it looked like they were on the way back and it was going to be another miracle Tom Brady finish, but it didn't happen. Uh, so I'm sad about the loss, but also just really happy for the uh, past couple years. It's been a good run so far, and hopefully we can keep it going next year. Um, but apart from being sad about football, <clears throat> today was great. Uh, we had such a cool day at church today. There was a great crowd. Thank you so much uh, for being there. Uh, we had a handful of new people, which is always amazing. Um, is just one of those days that makes you really uh, thankful um, and proud to be in the church world. Also, from what I hear, we had like 15 people at brunch, which is amazing. I haven't really been for like all of football season, which is only like sort of about football. It's also about the fact that I have a four-year-old who like won't chill. And then my wife Tiffany works Sunday night, so she needs to relax a little bit. Uh, but Owen has been like getting a little bit easier lately. So I think we're going to try and venture back out into brunch pretty soon. So for those of you who have been going every week regularly, I'm sorry I haven't been able to hang out with you, but it looks like we can make it happen soon. So that's really cool. Okay, so huge announcement right up front. Um, if you plan on attending in person this coming week, we will not be at the opera uh, for the next two weeks, we're going to be at the Mar St. Pete. It's like one street over and one block up. So it's really close by. Uh, you'll just park on Central and then just walk up. Uh, make sure you're following us on social media. We'll get you the address and the directions and all that good stuff. Uh, this first week that we're doing it at the Mar, we're doing something called Biography, where you're handing the microphone over to five of our people and letting them tell stories. And I love these services. And I hope very much that you will plan to be there to support uh, everyone who is being brave uh, to get up and on stage and tell some stories. So that's going to be awesome. Uh, also, our groups are starting again in the first or second week of February. Go to diff.church and you can sign up from there. There's an in-person Tampa group, an in-person St. Pete group, and an online group that is specifically about deconstruction, learning what is it, what it's not. Um, are you doing it? How to do it if you want to? How to talk to people who are doing it? Uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Um, so make sure you hit div.church to sign up for groups. Um, from there, you can donate if you believe in what we're doing. You can sign up for the mailing list, all that good stuff. Okay, so uh, let's jump to Hannah. Um, we are actually like sort of finishing up a series today. It wasn't really like official, but the past few weeks we've just kind of been talking about a group of things that, that go together really well. Two weeks ago, we talked about conflict and boundaries and how to have like healthy conflict in relationships because we're all so great at that. You know, we no nobody needs any help having good conflict with each other. And then last week we talked about narcissism and abuse in church, which <laughs> maybe that's not a subject you've heard talk about in church before, but... We're different church, we talk about all kinds of things. And this week, we're talking about healing. So if you've been in any kind of situation that really frustrated you or really hurt you or caused you any kind of trauma in church or in life, this message can apply to that. 
How many of you have heard the phrase, I like Jesus, but not the church? <laughs> I feel this in my bones. Like when we started Different Church, so we started almost two years ago. Oh, it's so exciting. And we started, we had our first official service three weeks before the lockdown. So that was wild. <laughs> um, but we, Jarrett and I and like a group of about maybe like 10 people started, we just decided that Different Church should exist. And then we made it happen, which is still mind blowing to me. And I very much told, I told several people that if we weren't doing this, I was done. I was done with church. I was over it. Now that's a pretty intense statement coming from someone who was born in church and raised in church and went to school for church and was a pastor. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm done with this. <laughs> I felt that way because it's been a few years. Okay, I don't feel that way anymore, obviously. I'm not like, I'm done with you, all of you. I don't want to see your faces ever again. Um, and it, honestly, there would be, I think I would have come around anyways, even though I've done a lot of healing in the last couple of years, I think I would have come around anyways because the faith, like faith community, that is really, I need that. Like for my relationship with God, I need other people. Like I need all of you. But I felt like I was fed up. I was just, I was at the end of my rope. I was frustrated and angry and disappointed, and I was so mad that something so sacred and beautiful to me had been turned into like a black hole. And I was ready to be done. I was ready to like maybe, maybe every once every couple months sneak in somewhere after the music was done and like just like sneak in and sit in the back and then leave quickly before anyone could talk to me or try to rope me into anything. Like, I like Jesus, but not the church. That comes from people who have had frustrating and sometimes abusive experiences in church. And please hear me, at no point am I gonna try to make excuses for what you've been through or the harmful ways you may have been treated in your previous faith communities. I know what it's like. I may not know exactly what you've gone through, but I've been through enough in my life to know what it feels like and to know what the disappointment of like the people and the leaders that were supposed to be the safest place not being that at all. I do think it's helpful, however, to understand how, how do people get stuck in these patterns? Like we talked about narcissism and like what it is last week and how, and if you missed that, you can listen on the podcast, but like what, how does it show up in people's lives? But how do people get stuck there in the first place? I think we need to understand that so that we don't get stuck there. <laughs> so that we're not the ones that people are like, yeah, I had to leave church because of so-and-so. <laughs> um, that would be pretty terrible. So, If you've ever been to counseling, I'm sure this image has been given to you, but if not, let me give it to you. There, imagine inside your being, there's a little person. And in that little person is all of your fear and all of your shame and all of your sense of deficiency, anything you feel you're failing at, anything you feel you might lack. This is sometimes known as our shadow self and there is nothing wrong with that part of you. We perhaps have been raised to think that we need to get rid of our fear and get rid of our shame and ignore it and just be like the best selves that God has called us to be, amen. So if we're relatively healthy people or we're working on our healing, we slowly like befriend that part of us and we get, we, it can integrate. But if we're not emotionally healthy people, we just shut down those emotions entirely and 
We live instead behind a mask of our polished, perfect selves. And this is super dangerous in church because lead, people that like our pastors sometimes have a very heightened ability to fake empathy. And usually this is learned in childhood because it's a protective measure. All of the things, all of the coping mechanisms we've learned in our lives served us at one point. They helped us survive something. They helped us go through something. And healthy self-love, like there's nothing wrong with self-love. Were any of you taught that like loving yourself was a bad thing growing up? Yeah, most of us have heard that messaging. There's nothing wrong with loving yourself. In fact, if you don't love yourself, you will be guaranteed to be trapped. Your shadow self will become huge and over, over you. Healthy self-love is actually the key that motivates us to befriend all the parts of ourselves that we wish didn't exist. Not to deny ourselves or to shame ourselves for what we're feeling, Narcissism and like the abuse that it creates is born in the ground of shame, not love. And when we have contempt for ourselves, for any part of ourselves, we're often just tempted to put up a front, right? Like, I'm so great. I am blessed. Too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, God is good all the time. And all the time, right? Like, how are you? Oh, blessed and highly favored. Okay, well, yes, you are. And also, two things can be true at once. Sometimes life sucks. Ain't, I like that I got an amen on that. <laughs> now, as a side note, I love my side notes. So I, will, I usually get comments from people every once in a while that are like, you are too honest about your life. <laughs> and there'll be people who be like, yeah, I just, you're sharing too much. You complain too much. I think you're depressed. Um, you should never tell people what you've been through because it makes you seem like a weak person. Or, or people won't respect you as a leader if you show your weaknesses. And people say this, yeah, I like that everyone's on my side here, but that's not the point of this discussion, okay? <laughs> I'm not, we're not uh, attacking imaginary people. I, people. I get these comments because I speak pretty openly that I have anxiety that I deal with almost all the time. Um, I have been in therapy and it was greatly beneficial to my life. I had a super traumatic miscarriage that like really derailed my life for a while. And I often talk about how freaking hard it is to be a parent. And people are like, nobody wants to listen to someone who's struggling. I even had a pastor tell me once at a previous place that no matter what happened that week, you have to put a smile on for Sunday because people don't want to listen to someone who's struggling. Well, guess what? I don't want to live my life like that anymore. I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy to lie. I have spent years faking it for Jesus. <laughs> okay? I don't have the energy to be inauthentic anymore. I don't have the energy to be like, everything's fine. I'm, I don't need any help. Just between me and the Lord. It's a freeing measure for me and also, it is a protective measure for you so that you know I'm not faking it, so that you know I'm not putting on a mask of empathy and just being like, oh yeah, your problems are hard, I'm here for you, and I don't mean that at all. Um, am I perfect? No, <laughs> definitely not. However, I want you to know that I am a real human being, just like you. Just because I'm up here with a microphone does not mean I have some mystical, magical power to get through life that you don't have. It doesn't mean I have some special access to God that you don't have. I'm a real human being. 
and struggles and trials, and I am on a constant journey to love that person inside of me that is afraid and feels shame and feels like she's not doing a good job. I almost always share what I'm struggling with. And not just like as a teachable moment from the past. I'm like, well, let me share a story with you of how I overcame my testimony. <laughs> in my, one of my things that used to be said in the tiny church I grew up in, they'd be like, anyone have a testimony? And people would like get up. But they, there was always this one lady who was like, testimony, I'm gonna share with you the test I'm on. And it was always something that was happening right then. It was not something that she was like, God delivered me. No, it was like, I am having a bad day. And this is my testimony. <laughs> and that really stuck with me, right? Because sharing what you're struggling with as like far removed, that is not vulnerability. It may be helpful to someone else, but it's not being vulnerable. Vulnerability is about showing up courageously in your present life with how you are experiencing it. And I am very annoyed that I wrote those words because I wrote them a few weeks ago and I was so happy. And guess what? This week was terrible. <laughs> I saw a meme that like accurately described my life <laughs> this week. Maybe you've seen it. And it was like, I'm trying this new fabulous thing this January where I just try to survive every day of January. <laughs> it's literally what I'm doing. I feel overwhelmed. I feel a little out of control. I feel like I'm like stretched thin at the moment. And I want to cry all the time since Nova was born a year ago. She's ruined my life. Uh, in the best way, okay? Um, but like, I couldn't, I have cried every day this week. I'm not telling you this so you feel sorry for me. I'm telling you this so you know you're not alone if you're struggling. And I have to share this with you because it's so adorable. On Tuesday morning, I was trying to just get like 10 minutes of stretching in, which is too much to ask if you have a one-year-old baby. She was the crankiest person I've ever met. She was yanking on me and crying and like flailing around. And I'm like, burr, burr. and like, just let me do my hip stretches. I need this for me. And she, I, she couldn't handle it. And I couldn't handle it. And then we were both crying. And I, I sat on the floor for 10 minutes and like cried my eyes out. And you know what she did? She crawled in my lap facing me and she put her little hands on my face. And then she just looked at me and then she kept putting her forehead on my chest and being like, and then she would look at me and like smile and like, and then she'd put her head back on my chest, which made me cry more, obviously. <laughs> she was trying to make me feel better. I'm like, you're the reason I feel terrible, but I'll take it. <laughs> Sometimes the only purpose being honest serves is it takes the pressure off of ourselves to be perfect. But I think it also serves a greater purpose, especially if you're in any kind of role where people listen to you. <sighs> because we're not alone. This purpose is to tell you that you're not alone. I am not telling you this so you can be like, oh, poor Hannah. I mean, I'll take any sympathy you want to give me, but that's not the point. <laughs> the point is that you are not alone in your struggles. There is nothing wrong with you if you're having a hard time. This feels hard because it is hard, not because you're doing something wrong. This is how you get to self-love. You start with being honest about what's actually happening in your soul. 
And when we have healthy self-love and healthy love from other people, we develop like this just healthy confidence, a holy confidence. Like people got our back, God's got our back. It's okay. It's okay to have bad days. And we have a healthy type of shame, which I, I hesitate to even use the word shame, but what I mean by this is we have a recognition of our own limits and an understanding that we are, in fact, not the center of the universe, which sometimes I need reminded of. There's this movement, right? There's this flow between uh, we're beautifully and wonderfully made, and sometimes everything feels broken. God delights in us, and we're part of humanity, which is so fragile. We're most prone to act out when we're out of touch with what makes us feel ashamed. When we are unaware of our own limitations, we put too much on our plate. When we deny or gloss over all the questions in our souls, the deep questions, the ones you're not supposed to ask, lest someone question your faith. And when we're uneasy with ourselves, we just displace those emotions. They don't disappear just because you don't feel them. You just displace them onto something else. It could be social media or working out or anything, relationships, alcohol, sex. I already said social media. A bunch of stuff. We have an extraordinary capacity to disassociate, which is sometimes really needed. But in the long term, it's a, soul, a sentence of soul death. How do we move from a place of not being honest about where we are to a place of healing? The first thing we have to do is be honest about what's happening. Healing is a very risky journey. And I wish I could stand up here and tell you, like, you know, if you just want God to, like, heal your soul, it's just going to be beautiful. Rainbows and butterflies, God's just going to take away your pain. Any pain, doesn't matter, it's gone. Now you are blessed and highly favored. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, I mean, not to say that that's not possible, but mostly, mostly healing is a really hard journey. You may not know what's ahead. It's unpredictable. Pain is sometimes really familiar. We've worn down the highway of pain and we go there instantly, but to make a new road is hard. To give yourself grace, to continue to be sad about what happened instead of pretending everything's fine, to ground yourself, to have this resolve to enter a new land of hope and flourishing and love and affirmation instead of coming from this other place, it's hard. And we have to take our situation seriously. So we have to be honest, and then we have to actually accept what happened. Abuse sometimes immobilizes us. We just shut down, or we ignore it, or we pretend it's not happening, or we gaslight ourselves, and we're like, it's not that bad. We find strategies to cope, and we're sitting in a pot like the frog, and you turn up the water until it's boiling, and we have some vague idea that it's not okay, what's happening is not okay, and I need to escape from this, and I need to move forward in my life. But we still rationalize away all the reasons why, because it's terrifying to go into unknown territory. There's no quick fix. There's no speedy path to healing. God gives us hope and puts a longing in our souls for wholeness. And more often than not, we won't go. God's like, hey, there's a place that you can get to in your life where it doesn't have to be this hard. And we're like, mm, sounds good, but this is comfortable. And sometimes we get there 
We set a foot on the journey because we have come to the end of our rope. <laughs> we are out of our own resources, and we have said, I literally cannot do this anymore. That's when real transformation begins. Jesus said this in Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the ones who mourn, for they will be comforted. Do you ever feel blessed when you're sad? Do you ever feel like you're blessed when you're grieving? Every journey towards healing begins with a recognition that life under what is oppressing us is just not sustainable anymore. And there's many stories of this in the Bible, but one of the really obvious ones is the Israelites in Egypt. God paved a way for them to exit the oppression. God will pave a way for us too. But it's easy to be like, yeah, amen. Israelites left Egypt. Mm. Okay, they left in the middle of plagues with the walls coming down around them with only the things they could carry on their backs. And God made a path for them. But isn't that the reality of our life too? Because if we confront abuse in a situation that we've been in, if we can confront a trauma that we have been through, sometimes we're just escaping with what we're wearing. And you might experience backlash if you've had to leave, especially from a faith community. And even once we've escaped physically, sometimes the psychological grip still remains. We might just be like, oh, just be easy. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe it would be easier just to return to what's familiar, to return to the people that have been in my life for so long. Maybe the relief of escaping is short-lived because then you find yourself like the Israelites did in the desert and you don't know where to go. God didn't give you a roadmap that said, and here is where the traffic jam will occur. So, you know, watch out for that. We'll reroute you. And also there's a rest area here. You can take an exit, go to the bathroom, get some snacks because it's going to be a long ride. No, you're just wandering around. You have no idea where you're going and everything feels very uncertain. And you're like, but at least I knew what to expect then. Sometimes we escape and then we're just too tired, too tired to do the hard work of healing. I love when the Israelites escaped Egypt, right? God's first thing was not to be like, and now let's build an army. God's first action was to speak a blessing over them. He called them his treasured possession, a holy nation, a priestly kingdom. I think it is crucially important that we are being called to do this work. You, it is your job to do the hard work of healing and have a new identity. The wilderness might get darker before it gets brighter. But God's first action is to speak a blessing over you, to say you are treasured, you are holy, you are courageous, so that we can move from self-contempt and shame to love, so we can move from doubt to compassion on ourselves, from hiding to being honest. And when it gets darker, that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It feels hard because it is hard, not because you're doing something wrong. You might experience wild vacillations of emotion. <laughs> you're like, oh, I'm out of that situation. Why am I so upset? Or you might have like this lovely moment where God is just with you, okay? You're having like, you're on cloud nine in heaven. And then the next moment, you're just desperately sad. There might be trauma frozen in your bones and then it begins to thaw, which is a good thing, except now it's coming out in like rage 
or anxiety, and you're like, what is wrong with me? Why am I crying every day? If you experience any of these, I cannot understate the importance of talking to a therapist who can help guide you through the emotions so that you're not alone. We all need wise guides who have been places before us to help us move along. Because the journey of healing is a long journey. I'm not saying this to discourage you, but to speak honestly about the process so it's not a surprise. I always feel better when I know what's coming. If I say, oh, I I really want God to heal me of whatever. And then I know it's gonna be hard. It may take years, there may be some setbacks, but like it's gonna reach a place of like beauty and wholeness and it's gonna be so great and hope will grow again. That makes me feel better than being like, everything's fine now. And then three days later, when I'm upset for no reason, I can't figure out why I'm having a panic attack. But what is happening? I thought God healed me. Well, it's a process. It's a journey. The promised land is not a magical place of perpetual cheer (laughs) where everyone's like, I'm so delighted to be here. Little angels singing. No. It's a new space that we find in ourselves with the help of God of inner freedom and flourishing. And you might experience it slowly at first, like in fits and starts. And you'll be like, what was that? You might think, oh my gosh, I've been in a situation that would have sent me running home to be alone or yelling at someone, and I didn't. Huh. Or you might experience a situation and you just react. And you're like, oh no, (laughs) I need a little more work on healing on that one. The memory of pain fades over time and resilience grows. Faith and hope and love grow again, like flowers. You know when you plant a flower in the ground, it's not like, flower! It takes forever, (laughs) like forever for it to grow, especially if you're watching it. But one day, you're gonna look at it and be like, that's beautiful. And guess what? It's been growing for months. It's been growing the whole time. When you thought it wasn't there, it was putting down roots. The old grip gives way to grace. And it's the most beautiful thing in the world. You might think you don't have time to do this. We're busy, right? I'm very busy. There's too much going on. I don't have time and money to pay attention to my trauma. (laughs) My question is, can we really afford not to? We have to commit to being aware of ourselves and intentional with ourselves because pain and shame and fear and regret and failure, all of these feelings of loss that threaten to overwhelm us that come out and we just stuff them down and we're like our shadow self, nope, nope. I want that person. I am happy. It thrives in the shadows because we neglect awareness of what's happening in our body. We neglect our intentionality because we want to protect ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how we're wired. That's why we have to be intentional. That's why we have to be aware so that we don't repress memories and ignore our bodily sensations and disregard our own feelings and needs. It's easier to choose our own safe, predictable pain over the unpredictable, hard road of healing. But that's why we're not supposed to be doing this alone. We need each other. We need family, whether that's blood relatives or chosen family. We need friends. 
We need our faith community. We need Jesus. We want to just be able to heal ourselves with no outside help. We are not wired that way. God actually created us as communal animals. And we need connection with each other and we need connection with God. Jesus said this as well, and this verse keeps getting me every time I read it this week. I'm like, okay, you don't have to be calling me out right now. (sighs) Jesus said, come, I'm sure you've heard this, come to me if you're weary and carrying a heavy burden and I will give you rest. But it, we don't get rest if we don't show up. We're like, no, I can do it. I got this. It's fine. I just keep going. We need helping hands to lift the weight off of our shoulders so that we can't lift off ourselves. Part of being a person of faith is holding multiple things in balance at once. We're so complex as human beings. We're beautiful, and sometimes we're a mess. Y'all can come back up. We're hiding, but also we're hidden in Christ. We are utterly mysterious and somehow knowable. We're capable of great harm, and yet we're good inside. I saw a quote this week, and I was like, ooh, that's deep. (laughs) It says this, we are complex, a vast immensity a mystery to ourselves known only and ultimately by a God who is fearless in the face of our complexity. A God who is capable of loving each of us and all of us in our beautiful places and all the places where shame and regret grow. Buried beneath the thickest defenses you can build around yourself and your pain is the image of God you were created in. And it's all light and glory and dignity and beauty. I cannot wait for the day I can quit doing this hard work of healing and just live in perpetual freedom. Just live in the new order of things where being sad and repenting are easy and don't cause stress on my nervous system to apologize. Where forgiving someone is easy, where surrendering when I can't do it is easy, where hope and healing are always easy to access. But in reality, I continue to live here in the real world. Between the old order, the old order of rage and judgment and shame, and the new order of hope and delight and safety. We all live there. The way of Jesus is the only way I've experienced that holds this tension so beautifully, that offers us the gift of feeling our anger without being enslaved by it. That offers us the honesty of naming violence without resorting to it. That offers us an actual promise of hope that's not cheap. The way is worth traveling, even if it's a long and winding path. We make the road by walking. And once we've walked, it becomes infinitely easier to turn back and say, come with me. Let's go together. You're not alone. Loved ones, when our circumstances overwhelm us with grief or box us up in fear or build up our defenses, God turns us toward each other. 
God will see her promises of justice through. Whether these promises unfold over generations or swiftly and unexpectedly, new life will grow. Thrones of oppression will crumble. Eras of hurt will end. As God's companions, may we faithfully be companions to each other. In peace and with courage, the Spirit of God leads us forward. May we be healed. Amen. <laughs>